Hey guys, we're back with the cloud chat on another episode of the podcast and I'm sorry it took so long but uh, we're finally back here um, and we have some very interesting topics to uh, go over today. Uh, it's basically a bunch of stuff that happened over the last th- uh, two weeks and also uh, some other stuff that uh, we can really get in depth and discuss. We also have Chamath here. Chamath? Hi guys, welcome back. So yeah, as Damien said, we had a small break, <laughs> you can say it. And yeah, and so yeah, let's get on, get into it, right? Um, exactly. So, um, just an FYI, some of these articles might be a bit lo- a bit old, but uh, we just found them kind of interesting, which is why, and we just thought that we can maybe have a bit of a discussion on them, which is why we selected them. So, uh, without further ado, I think the the biggest update that we have today is um, regarding AWS. And uh, it's basically an announcement from AWS uh, that they would be launching a new region in New Zealand, um, in addition to Australia, India, Indonesia, Israel, Spain, Switzerland, and the United Arab Emirates. So I think this is great news for a bunch of reasons. Chamath, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, always getting more regions in AWS, it's always a good thing. So I think uh, uh, getting a new, new like an entire region, uh, it's a, it's a really like, I mean, it's a huge thing for for the ecosystem. So many users might come and then sort of uh, more edge location for caching. So it's, again, going for the global infrastructure. So this is going to be, I think, massive again. So yeah, let's go go into some specs, Damien. Uh, I think uh, in the article, they had some uh, interesting uh, specs, which they have defined uh, the current regions they have. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, so they have, uh, OK, they have mentioned uh, there are 81 available zones within 25 AWS regions in operation today, with mm-hmm. 20 more availability zones and eight announced regions, including this one, are underway. So that's a huge thing, right? So basically, they that, have that is 81, really good. Yes. Yeah, they have 81 ACs and then 25 regions, and they are increasing 24 So that means more. they'll have more than uh, 100 availability zones, and yeah. uh, more than 30, th- more than 35. Yeah, I think it's around. Yeah, nearly 50 maybe, you know, like they had mentioned 24 more on the way. So I think uh, <laughs> uh, so no, it's, uh, it's 80, 81 availability zones plus yeah. 24. That will be like 100 and, 100 and something. And oh, yeah, 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 25 sorry. AWS regions plus another this eight one. regions. Yeah, so that will yeah. be like yeah. uh, 83. Uh, sorry, 30, yeah. <laughs> 33. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit confused. Yeah, 30, so this is plan yeah, three. <laughs> So this is planned to be open in 2024, right? Um, Correct. So that, that that's not that long. <laughs> so we are currently like end of 2021. <laughs> um, that's true. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how this how they are like sort of built because basically an AWS region means a data center, right? So uh, they'll be basically just building a data center from scratch. And with the you know with the <laughs> pandemic and everything, I have no idea how they would uh, build it so fast by 2024 yeah. but yeah it's it, it's it's a good i think target for them to sort of uh, have at the end of the day so that's, if that's he, of, uh, <laughs> exactly aws regions list yeah let's go into that i mean uh, we need to recap that as well exactly sort of so appreciate what they have <laughs> exactly so let's sort of see what they have currently i think there was a what there was one with a map on it um Let's see, yes. So these are the regions in North America. So what they are actually introducing now is a bunch of stuff in Australia, India, Indonesia, Israel, Spain, Switzerland, and the UAE. So it's basically in Europe and Asia. Asia. So yeah, I think more focus on Asia in this segment. Exactly, I mean, it's, exactly. it's very less regions, right, in Asia. Can you see the Asian region? Just exactly. Forget. So if you see the Asian, Asian regions, it's, it's pretty obvious that we do have a region in India, but um, it's obvious that a bunch of regions around this area is actually lacking. So I guess that's, that's what the Indonesian, um, yeah, we have the Sing- Singapore uh, region as well. And an Indonesian region would definitely boost this up. That's true. Um, and they'll also have uh, a bunch in New Zealand as well. I, I think this also sort of um, adds to their goal. I mean, at the end of the day, what you, what a company or what an engineer basically wants is uh, for their product or for their uh, for their um, for their payload to reach the customer or the client as soon as possible, right? So yeah, 
soon as so, possible. Yeah, the lowest latency uh, is needed. Exactly. I mean, uh, we have the um, we have the sort of uh, cache insights. So we have the CloudFront uh, nodes, but um, I think this includes the CloudFront nodes. The CloudFront nodes are in uh, yeah, edge networks are in blue. So we have the edge locations here, but at the end of the day, an edge location would only be beneficial if you want to serve static content, right? And if you want to actually communicate with your server and stuff, you have to sort of have a very low sort of latency between your front end and your server. Um, in, by front end, what I mean is a mobile app or a browser app or a desktop app even, uh, plus a sort of uh, cloud-based uh, backend. So I think this is really a, a great sort of addition. This would mean um, much better sort of response times to people living in around the Melbourne area, as well as New Zealand, as well as Indonesia. And um, I think there was one in um, India, and this is in Hyderabad, India. It's coming so, up, right? So India, yes. I think, currently has the Mumbai one. They have the Mumbai one, um, yes, that's true. Yeah. So if you scroll down, we have, um, yep, we have one in Mumbai. And we have currently one in Sydney for Australia. So I believe it's the Sydney um, data center that serves the New Zealand traffic as well as the traffic for the rest of Australia. So I think with a new data center in Melbourne, uh, as well as a dedicated one for New Zealand, they'll be able to sort of reduce the load on that other data center as well. Yeah. So and also I think uh, there can be some physical particular advantage having into separate countries and <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, this volcanoes and <laughs> the <laughs> disaster can be a natural disaster. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, oh, I yeah. think New Zealand is always having sort of earthquakes and volcanoes and stuff like that usually. But yeah, maybe it's just for <laughs> just for backup. Maybe for Australia and New Zealand to be together, That's like think together in the future. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, and also I think uh, they have this economic impact. So they have. Um, a 7.5 billion dollar New Zealand dollar investment, which is roughly translates to 5.3 billion US dollars. It will create 1,000 new jobs, and it will have an estimated economic impact of 7.7 uh, .7 billion US dollars dollars over the next 15 years. So that's, I think that's superb. Um, yeah, and they mean when you t see these numbers, it's sort of very uh, like economical impact. We we usually don't see right when we mm -hmm. develop something or like code on the AWS. We don't see how, how much impactful this is so it's going to get thousand new jobs and sort of like it, it's a huge exactly. thing uh, i mean economically uh, even though we don't see us day-to-day -day <laughs> engineers um yeah so, so um other aws infrastructure includes a payoff amazon cloudfront edge locations in auckland so they'll have an edge location in new zealand as well along with access to the aws global black backbone through multiple redundant submarine cables okay wow that is that is awesome, I think. So AWS will have their own redundant submarine cables. I'm thinking yeah, of like <laughs> the situation in Sri Lanka, all the internet goes through just one submarine cable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's the power of, I think, the, the network provider, right? No, not the network provider, like the infrastructure provider now. <laughs> because they, they, exactly. they run everything. Like, uh, we can even discuss energy. Like energy is a huge thing. And for example, this, are going all like cloud-based, sorry, green green energy, then sustainable energy, sort of, and they are also manufacturing their own energy. So if you just uh, that's uh, kind of true. So I mean, I guess we can. This is a very good sort of transition to our next topic, which is oh yeah, um, green principles of software engineering, and basically like um, how you can actually build a sort of greener um, sort of software application. I think one of the core functions of this is as and when you build a cloud-based software to select always a green sort of energy provider, right? Uh, sorry, a, yeah. a, a green um, a cloud service provider. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Damien, this uh, green concept in like software development sort of has software engineering so has come coming a long way right now. So it's been in the talks for some time now. So people are moving towards uh, what you call green energy. So this movie is always going up now. I mean, there are countries always like saying 2030, vision 2030, things like that, vision 2050, getting carbon neutral. So this is also a much needed change in the software engineering domain. So we didn't see this, this like much happening, even though we thought it's going to like sort of impact in our day to day work, but it's, it's still a progressing subject. I mean, this article is written by, I think, uh, uh, 
Microsoft uh, Green Cloud Advocacy Lead, Rasim Hussain. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think, uh, yeah. So they are also moving to that direction. Means there's a there's some sort of a major what do you call it? <laughs> good things are coming in the future. So exactly. I mean, the corporations are moving towards this area. Exactly, and but uh, I I think at the end of the day, like I mean, if you sort of read through this, so for example, um, l- let's just go to the TLDR, uh, the summary here. So the first thing is build applications that are carbon efficient, build applications that are energy efficient, consume electricity with the lowest carbon intensity, build applications that are hardware efficient, maximize the energy efficiency of hardware, reduce the amount of data and distance it must travel across a network, and build carbon-aware applications. And also the last one, focus on step-by-step optimizations that increase the overall carbon efficiency. So I think some of these are, like, I mean, being software engineers, some of these are sort of within the control of software engineers as a whole, and the rest of it probably we can offload onto the infrastructure providers. So for example, um, uh, maximize the energy efficiency of hardware. So, I mean, that's basically something that AWS and uh, the other cloud uh, service providers can actually handle. Um, reduce the amount of data and distance it must travel across the network. So this is, um, this is sort of on us as well, but the yeah, distance it must travel, Exactly, but the distance it must travel is something that can be sort of handled by uh, cloud service providers as well. And um, consume electricity with the lowest carbon intensity. This is also something that I think the um, the cloud service providers are very passionate about because I know that uh, AWS and all these other guys, Google, Azure, have their own sort of power farms, wind, wind power farms, solar energy farms, and stuff like that. So I think at the end of the day, if you are, I mean, stuff like, Max, um, build applications that are hardware efficient and yeah. reduce the amount of data. Build applications that are energy efficient. So this is basically like, you know, uh, improving the time complexity, improving the space complexity, yeah. uh, making sure that your application actually works properly and is very performant. I mean, these are just these are just byproducts, I think, of being a really good engineer. So at the end of the day, if you, if you do good engineering, I'm pretty sure that... Um, this sort of, uh, you can easily achieve uh, building a green software sort of product. Exactly, yeah, I think uh, most of the, I mean like, most let's say the input and outputs we can control, as in like, we are sending data out to the client and we are getting responses back from the client. So these two, we can highly do some efficiency. And again, uh, on the hardware level, we can optimize our code to sort of run faster and sort of use less computation time. So I think- uh, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's super interesting, right? I mean, earlier we, we like we learn, when we learn like let's say programming principles and things like that, we learn the efficiency part. But then when it comes to the green part, we it's all connected together. Exactly. Yeah. It's like that. That is quite um, obvious. Uh, so also, I think one thing we can do is we can actually um, check some of these stuff. So for example. Um, um, consume electricity with the lowest carbon intensity. So for, for example, AWS has a bunch of um, solar farms, I think. Yeah, I think they have some green host, right? Like AWS has its own green uh, regions. Correct, yeah. So... Um, they mean... Oh, okay. yeah, you're right. There you go. So we have... They have a bunch in Europe, uh, one in, they have in the US, in Australia, and in a bunch of other places as well. So, so, they so are these are their farm in solar, solar farms, yeah. Exactly. I, and so I energy, think they, energy generation. These are sort of like interconnected with the regions as well. So yeah, for example... Yeah, because regions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you have something in US West. You have in US East as well a bunch. You have in, in Central US. Um, you have a bunch in... You have a few in Australia. Yep. So this is a f- uh, they have a wind farm in Victoria and they have two more sort of solar farms um, in New South Wales as well. So these are probably like for their regions as well. And I, I believe with the new sort of regions coming up for New Zealand and Indonesia um, and also India, I think that they will probably you know push for more sort of clean energy generation uh, generators in these other regions as well. I mean, Damien, have you seen this uh, green web host, uh, what do you call it, green host website, which they label, okay, this ho- this website is green or not. So just have a look at the green web uh, foundation. So it's for green web foundation, I guess. Uh, 
Okay, uh, the Green Web Foundation. Yeah, that one. So there, I think they have a list of all the sort of greenhouse that's using sustainable energy, sort of uh, efficient. So if you put a website like google.com, you'd see uh, uh, it's highly sort of green. And there are like similar website called uh, Website Carbon Calculator, where you can see what's the carbon footprint of the website or something like that, like a, like a estimate on that. Um, so, I mean, this is not a much new concept, but I'm trying to like uh, say here. So it, it, mm -hmm. these sites have been like there for some time now, but I think people are more focused now because of the entire like what do you call climate change that impact. So yeah, you can see here clearly like what's the carbon, uh, what do you call footprint of this website and how much this web is cleaner than the rest of the uh, the other sites. So so there are multiple fact factors. I think this affects uh, again uh, like how how we are measuring this, how we are going to sort of capture, okay, this is saving one tree, something like that, like per year. Yeah, it's a per year, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, yes. uh, yeah, so there are a lot of uh, initiatives in this direction. I mean, I'm also like much interested in to see like what's going to be like the way forward. I mean, in the future, what could be the the way they are like, uh, which like up to which level can we go? I mean, if every host becomes green, then that's a huge massive impact on the the global cloud like the <laughs> infrastructure level um, that's quite true yeah. but there are still uh, like there are even aws still they have so many regions which are not green so singapore for example so there are like things like that again example for example we are talking about the big players like google so we, we can't <laughs> left google, leave google out so google is in a huge mission on like uh, making uh, 2030 i think uh, carbon neutral or is it carbon or carbon negative right just say Google 2030. Um, what does it say? Uh, I think it's sustainability. Dot yeah. Carbon free by 2030. So yeah, they are neutral since 2007. So, they are so this is actually are a very old concept, if you consider it. Yeah, yeah. But but now it's getting more at attention because people have realized, okay, now it's high time. <laughs> we can let more things uh, go into this uh, negative paths. Mm, that's yeah, true. So I think I think power. that um, this is sort of this is sort of pretty uh, recent for Microsoft as well to sort of have green cloud sort of um, the, this focus yeah, on yeah, yeah. green cloud. So, for example, Microsoft carbon neutral. Um, they will be carbon negative by twenty thirty. Oh wow! Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So they only launched it one year back. So. According to this, so yeah, people check. are like, I mean, since all the major players are going into that direction, obviously all the others as well, like, uh, let's say other companies who are using these services are automatically converted to this area. That's true. So That's true. I think the largest, uh, what do you call, largest provider is AWS, right? Out of all the like these three, AWS, Microsoft, Google. If we consider these three, I think AWS has the largest share. So if they make everything green in their ecosystem. That's massive for the internet and the world. Mm -hmm. um, so if you yeah, like think AWS, um, what was the URL? AWS. Dot Amazon dot com. Dot, is it AWS dot Amazon dot com? I yeah, guess so. Yeah, there, you mean the homepage, right? Yeah. Yeah, the homepage. <laughs> so if you just take that and just check it on here. Let's see. Yeah, again, Damien, I'm, I'm always having this like. I mean, it's a negative thought. So, but uh, we always have the, like the two-way of everything. Like, uh, let's say, how are we calculating this? Is it the client's computer who's like, I mean, the end user who's going to pay the carbon? What do you call carbon emission? So, my computer is heating up right now. So, is it it's emitting something, right? <laughs> so, if the if you offload all the application into the client browser, again, what's the calculation there? Um, oops, oops, that's sad. Just try Amazon.com. I think they have hosted that green. Uh, I feel. Yeah. Again, Damien, this depends on the region you are connecting from. So if it's going through a CDN, it would connect to the the closest server, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, That's some true. issue. Uh, yeah. No. So if you have CloudFront. Amazon.com is better. Is the host green? So that's what I want to see. I just see the the Green Web Foundation site and see. Uh, let's see. Green Web Foundation. So that has yeah, like I, I I mean the website might be pretty unperformed. Bulky. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the host might actually be green that's true so it yeah, obviously same for mic stuff i guess right <laughs> um, exactly yeah ooh oops aws is not green but let's check but it is just mhn.com yeah nope oops mhn.com oh why is tabin you you early did google right it's full green <laughs> that's good cool. you did google earlier yep google is green uh google yeah. cloud is cloud.google.com right yeah and maybe it's also green yeah yeah i think google is more green i mean like that's my gut like gut feeling <laughs> uh because they, they sort of promote this much like rather than the other guys so and i'm sure that they've been doing it for a long time as well long time yeah yeah because they had this like, they they have a, like it's a, i think a core principle of them like going green in the future like, mm-hmm. we, like they are already green enough uh, based on the other, other competitors uh, check facebook.com just how it's happening facebook.com i'm pretty sure this is not green oh wow that is green that's green <laughs> okay. the website is hosted so green is, yes okay yeah 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 not Kudos. the not the content yeah cooler for that <laughs> so not not, so not the imagine, website imagine, but yeah Yeah. The host Just is imagine the impact uh, impact of like millions of users using facebook.com so they don't know it's green hosted but if that's correct like this the information is accurate that's a good thing right <laughs> as a, as an engineer we 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 know okay we have some peace of mind so that's basically when we are hosting we need to select a green region <laughs> yeah oh yeah i think we talked a lot in this topic now <laughs> exactly uh, so this is um maybe let me just check if amazon is live it is live okay um in that case just go back maybe i put my local it's gdps no it's not detecting for some reason that the website belongs is hosted on amazon yeah i think yeah something is wrong there But yeah, recently we hosted a website on AWS for the region I think it's US East 1 uh and it it ke- like directly came as green since it it was should be. hosted should there. Be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh the US East 1 is is built on like you know green stuff. Yeah. Um so let's we can sort of move on to the next topic which is I think this is something that you also got a bit of experience in which is the yeah. the recent security issue that we had in Let's Encrypt. Yeah. So yeah. It's it's more like a yeah, it both like a, people knew that's going to happen but no one did anything about it. So <laughs> I mean that bot as well. So uh so this is mainly the root certificate certificate of let's encrypt. So they had the root certificate I think it's called uh, uh what's that called? It's uh let's encrypt uh, CA uh CX3, right? So X3 that was set to expire on September 30th and it got expired and uh, what happened actually is the exp- the root certificate uh, was able to support all the clients like let's say Windows XP, Windows 7, old Android versions so it supported all of the old stuff but then when it expired they renewed it to the latest version which is uh, I think uh, they have renewed it to 2035 and it's called root X1 and which is going to Stay till 2035, so it's a huge uh, time period. But now, what happens is all the people who have used uh, that encrypt is not being like not able to support the older clients like XP and Windows Seven. So that's the key issue. Um, so yeah, Damien, what do you think about this <laughs> case? True. I so mean, it, it might not affect like all the developed countries sort of thing. Let's say they they might not have Windows XP, but for example, Asian region, we still like. they still have windows xp windows 7 is like not that all for them right <laughs> it's a 10 year gap though but it's still there um, that's true so i think um with with this so uh, my issue i mean the fundamental reason this happened is that root certificates are basically shipped with uh, the operating system right so yeah. um once you stop re- receiving os updates you're basically screwed so um yeah. when whenever a root certificate expires because it will expire whenever a root certificate expires um basically that operating system will become unusable and sooner or later all the root certificates that 
that guy that the operating system that outdated version of that operating system has will probably expire so i think the main reason here is that um, a lot lot of devices don't actually get uh, sort of lte versions so basically like yeah. if you take android if you take a samsung phone that was released maybe five years ago that probably wouldn't get the latest um, update of android and with that update you probably would not get the latest uh, root certificates uh, shipped with that update as well so it's it's yeah. bound to happen always and i th- i think i saw somewhere that um, this happened yeah. last this year this is not the yeah this is not the f- first case right yeah. there was yeah so is it stripe stripe, stripe had an issue back in may yeah so so they were using this guy yeah and if this guy sort of uh, expires then <laughs> again you're screwed as well so <laughs> I think um, um, at the end of the day, the main issue, I mean, um, Firefox does a good job, I think. I read somewhere here that um, um, they sort of support all the versions or like no, so yeah. uh, Firefox is currently unique among browsers because it ships with its own list of trusted root certificates. So right. uh, Firefox yeah. doesn't depend on the operating system root certificates. It has its own mm-hmm. list of root certificates. And so it always keeps it updated. I think that's a good system. I think that's a good workaround that even Chrome and the other stuff should also sort of yeah. um, implement. Try to do right. Adapt. Exactly. Maybe it's, uh, it, it might get, add some bulk, but I think it's useful in the long run. Exactly. And, exactly. And the issue with SSL certificates is sometimes you can sort of figure out it directly. I mean, somewhere. So this quote is very nice. At least something somewhere is going to break. <laughs> so oh, yeah. uh, it's like it's like we are not going to get a like a direct alert. It might just fail. And for, for the client side, right? We are not going to get an alert <laughs> at that point. Exactly, <laughs> it's because this will fail on a specified date at a specified time. It's like time the it's, on, it's on like the millennium time, bug. Right? <laughs> on a specified yeah. time, it's like the millennium yeah. bug in that way. Timestamp, so, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if so if yeah, I I mean my my main issue here is that. I mean, being in the 21st century, being like, you know, we have such a lot of technology, we have blockchains and we have all this other stuff, but we still need to, you know, like the fundamental part of internet security is a root certificate. And we still need to ship that physically into each and every phone and each, each and every device, not, not only a phone, even a laptop or any sort of device that can access the internet. We need to ship it within the operating system. I mean, there should be a, a different way to actually do this, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, true, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's just talk a minute about Let's Encrypt. I mean, it's so huge. Uh, I think uh, how many users they have. So Let's Encrypt, is, it's a, it's a non, like free to use software, right? This is free to use certificate manager and it's funded by large organizations like Google Cloud, I think, Facebook, I, all the big players are, they are funded, like they're supporting Let's Encrypt. So if you go to the website, you can see and here they have mentioned uh, uh, they have been used like I mean it's a massive uh, organization now I think it's uh, 250 million active website right I think they have given I saw somewhere two billion is it correct Let me 260 just million websites yeah I mean they have issued from 2014 uh, large number of like certificates yeah so they have issued two billion certificates since uh, 2014 until. Uh, uh, September. So imagine the number, like the impact it's having on the global like infrastructure level. So if mm-hmm. we, I mean, for sure, like if you start a VM or something like, you just get that encrypt, right? You don't go and buy a separate uh, certificate right now at this no. stage. <laughs> no, <laughs> Unless it's super critical, like if it's a financial level application, you might have to get like PCI DSS, like all this validation, EV level set SSL. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you are just doing a project, even for like a large scale mobile application or something like that, we just use our like let's say crypto probably AWS just let, let's issue, say, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's true <laughs> because it's it's really simple and it's easy to you know renew it as well um yeah. it, it might be a short time it might only last for i think three or six months right yeah but yeah so about, I think it's uh, renewing automatically i guess yeah, yeah, yeah if, you bot, bot, you, if, if you set up that bot if you put set bot it uh, it'll renew automatically renew itself yeah <laughs> so i think let's see Certificate assurance. Um, um, hmm. yes. Can't find it. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, that's I mean, yeah. So this is a, I mean, this is a breaking news as well. <laughs> I mean, major, major, like sites were also affected. Some of like big sites. Uh, I saw. Is it? Uh, yeah, I saw some Think. major sites were affected in this scenario as oh, well. Yes. And it's affected as in. Uh, 
the client base is going to be like affected not the not the server side or anything it's the end users who are going to face this issue because it's a client side thing validation um and it's not like like being software engineers we don't really run tests on old clients right you know from 10 years yeah ago. sometimes we, we we can't find a device to run the <laughs> windows windows xp yeah, for example it's, it's, it's not really scalable actually testing for stuff like that su- such old stuff you know so yeah, i think at the end of the day really having, yeah with the number of versions it has it's very hard to like okay up to which level are we supposed to go okay that will run on let's say version 7 but are we going to go and test 7.9 7.1 7.2 like that <laughs> so the issue with android is actually that there's a lot of flavors of android as well because you have your version of android which will run on a pixel or something like that but um, yeah. then you have the versions of android on which there are like you know skins and stuff that samsung and all these other guys have put and you have to sort of test on those as well because their browsers are different um it's it's a headache i think at the end of the day so yeah. i think more or less people just <laughs> they would probably just test on one device if it works okay it should probably work for all the rest and they'll just forget and the issue will come in the in the run like let's say exactly <laughs> so i i think it's it's pretty normal not to spend so much time you know sort of um testing on all of these devices because normally what i have seen is uh, if you so you would normally certify a website for a bunch of browsers you would certify it for maybe chrome firefox opera edge and stuff like that and uh if and you would normally have some sort of a javascript code or something like that running on the front end to check the version of the browser and what exact browser you're using and if it detects a, a browser out of that list it will just show a sort of you know pop up saying okay look here we haven't tested our website on this um uh, for the most stable sort of experience download this guy this guy this guy or this yeah, guy yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. sort of the that's sort of what we do right because we can't sort of um certify do all the devices yeah. <laughs> Yeah. all the time yeah um yeah all right i think yeah this is a, this was like an interesting uh, i mean new article was interesting and also it affected the bit for us <laughs> uh so yeah exactly let's see how it goes in the future so i think we can move on to our next sort of topic which is decentralizing the internet's root so this is sort of um yeah just a sort of um tldr sort of uh, an overview of what this says So right now if you know about um domain name searches and stuff like that so uh, basically how you uh, translate a domain name into an IP address and sort of uh, locate the server that it goes to um it's all sort of managed by these root DNS servers right so and those root DNS servers are actually managed by an organization called ICANN so if you sort of want to create your own top level domain something like .com so you want to create something like dot the cloud chat or dot chamath or dot damian uh you would probably have to uh pay a huge amount and sort of register it with icann and go through their entire sort of process before they actually register that uh, tld in their root domain service uh root name service sorry and service, yeah. and at the en- end of the day what what will uh, happen is what what basically happens is although we say that the internet is decentralized the access point to the internet is actually centralized so um all of us at some point in time we need to sort of um you know look up a dns record via the root servers i mean yes we might have so for example you might connect to your isp you might connect to google dns uh, cloudflare dns or your isp's dns addresses and they might have cached the records that are on the root dns servers but at the end of the day you're still reusing the record that is in the root dns server right so i think that is sort of what these guys are trying to sort of solve here so they basically they want to decentralize it and they want to remove this guy called icann here and sort of distribute it out um yeah so basically this is their pitch um so they say why rent a sort of subdomain when you can actually own the top level domain here yeah. um that is sort of their pitch here so chamath what do you think yeah it's both uh, <laughs> interesting and like i'm not sure the way forward i mean this is a huge change right in terms of uh, okay it's one way to look at okay we we can have our own top level domain that's a good thing but again when when it comes to scaling up this all, this this what you call proposal like proposed method does everyone will get the same chance as like okay should all my clients use the that name server record like how how am i going to access that so that's going to be my thought process like 
uh, how long will it take and like if all the big guys like big players are going to adopt this system it's going to be fine but again it's all about i think bit of politics as well in terms of who's going to manage the internet <laughs> in the in the end so exactly yeah. i mean um, i can has very sort of strict policies i mean once i saw something where uh, it was a video on youtube i think it was about um regenerating the root ssl certificate for the root dns service and this is something yeah. that they do every couple of years or every it's either annually or it's a, every couple of years but it's a super sort of very secure process they bring a bunch of people like 13 or something people from around the world and each of those people have a key card and if you only have two key cards or i don't know you have you have to have some number of key cards and only if you verify that only can you reset the sort of root certificate and stuff like that so i mean um it it is a very sort of it exactly it's a very secure process it is very tightly um sort of managed i think i mean i i guess you can sort of see it also i mean you can uh, if you watch this video you would understand uh, the sort of um the the impact of i can what i can has on the entire yeah the sort of power um, <laughs> yeah the internet so i can key holders here you go so it's seven people actually so meet the seven people who hold the keys to worldwide internet security so um it's basically seven people you would have sort of a key here and this is sort of the thing that um uh yeah can you zoom zoom in a little bit just yeah here you go right, so right. this is sort of let's see i believe they reset the um sort of the key, root key yeah. the ssl key yes so here you go they, they have the saves it's it's a huge process it's it's not even open to the public um the way when and how they do this so um how to become a key holder <laughs> that's my question <laughs> <laughs> i think it's randomly uh, it's they just choose you randomly based on like if you are a leader in your sort of industry they just choose you um are the names given in this list or they, they are, i mean uh, the key holders are actually public i think so i mean um yeah. So that's dangerous, no? In the in in terms of, but I mean, like no one might know where I am. Like it's like a mission uh, impossible, uh, like a mission. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Um, I don't really remember this thing, but there there is an awesome video, uh, basically. That I mean, there are some stuff where, like, even if you drop the key, it would sort of self-destruct and stuff like that. So I see. <laughs> um, so here, the high security machine that will generate the master key is set up once activated by the smart cards. this will produce a lengthy cryptographic code if dropped or even knocked to hard the machine will self destruct <laughs> i mean it's so i mean it's so awesome and uh, they sort of generate the root certificates here on the root zone and uh, i mean these are the sort of, sort of stuff that i watch when i have sort of insomnia <laughs> and i can't sleep and i want to know yeah. what what happens <laughs> who wants the internet something like that <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean these are sort of stuff that um yeah here you go um hold on uh uh so very sign the security company that administers the root zone of the domain name system steps forward to read out a nonsense sequence of codes generated by the previous key um the sequence corresponds with the witnesses notes so they not then sign the script a short line of code is typed into the computer and seconds later the new key is signed after 20 minute sequence of disconnecting secure machines and powering down the laptop a usb stick is hand- handed to uh, this guy um he makes a slight bow and he holds a signed digital key and he transmits the key on a secure channel to verisign and this signed key will be made live across the internet it will take effect for 3 months after that the key will expire and error messages will start to appear on the internet So every three months we have to renew that, right? I'm not sure because I saw this as a, it, they need to do this every couple of years, but maybe it's I I don't know. I watched this yeah, video yeah. a really long time back, but maybe it's yeah, every three yeah. months. But so yeah, I, so so the 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 project which we were discussing, so that's going to go in the opposite direction. So that, that is going the entire. Way, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so no one owns it. <laughs> no one owns it. I mean, I guess Everyone it will technically it. be yeah. secure because it will be on the blockchain, but yeah. um. Yeah, I mean, I I do sometimes get sort of anxious when I know that, okay, if if somebody just goes and does a fast and furious thing and just steals the keys from seven people and 
they reset the internet <laughs> james bond mission <laughs> yeah and then then the internet will be sort of fucked you can just yeah. easily fuck up the entire internet on that so i think what handshake um, is trying to do is um basically this is something like what the tor browser also does onion websites so they have their own sort of name servers and you can basically register your own domains on top of those so what what onion uh, what um, handshake is trying to do and uh, also namebase is they have all their name server records and their domain records on a blockchain and um, they have their own uh, dns servers as well <coughs> and those dns servers basically do a lookup a query on the blockchain and then return the record of what exact server ip address uh, that you need to go to um but what what do you think about that part chamath um where they have to actually do a lookup on a blockchain i mean what as far as i like according to my knowledge it's a bit of expensive thing to sort of having blockchain let's say in this massive scale right you know let's say uh 1 billion of records because we can do any any name right so it's it's anyone's name can be on the tld so imagine it's it's going to be 1 minute 1 billion records and it's going to be let's say 10 gb on the on a node so i'm not sure how to sort of balance that so who's going to manage that data is it every client has to download the dump of like dump every record which exists and then that maps to the dns record um i am not clear on that part because how to how to scale this up is the issue again someone might have to come and sort of okay i'm going to handle the data you put data to me then again it's going to get centralized so that's scary so yeah <laughs> it says that it says that handshake itself is responsible for putting that data and retrie- and retrieving it so i think it it is centralized to handshake um yeah so handshake is the protocol which like yeah is the protocol so someone yeah. need to have the sort of the, i mean it's again not having like the physical key but someone would have to have the record system right <laughs> owned by them mm-hmm. uh, so ideally if they can sort of if they are making it true decentralized it should go to all the clients in the system in the network if not let's say 10% of the clients own the data something like mm-hmm. that i mean which can't be tampered so let's say if i have my own copy i tamper my record with your record or something like that so if whoever goes to your website goes to my side <laughs> so who's going to handle that sort of security uh, mechanism because currently i can is sort of trusted because they have they are doing the job i mean like security side <laughs> they have been uh, doing it from the start <laughs> yeah from the start so again if the new 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 like a protocol goes up let's say okay it's blockchain we know it's secure things like that but again when we are scaling up the issues might come so i'm not actually like having a good thought yet <laughs> but i saw yeah. namecheap has already started right with the handshake one domain something like that namecheap uh, yeah i think uh, the domain p i think so if you go to namecheap.com yeah. yeah. so if if like big players like so namecheap like... i don't know like godaddy everyone starts getting on board then let's say google dns might have to adopt handshake as well, like as part of their system so i can then hash handshake together but yeah. that's going to be massive in terms of uh, yeah so that that's that's a handshake domain uh, this is a handshake domain here so uh, the domain called .p actually lives on the sort of handshake blockchain right so to use that domain what should we do i think uh, we need to use their dns right use uh, namecheap dns it is yes you would either need to use the namecheap dns or you would need to have the handshake uh, dns instead of your instead of your dns server. so like i mean usually what we do is we have cloudflare or google or something like that dns yeah. but um here oh isp is like um, exactly your isp is uh, dns but here you would need to actually set these um dns addresses to your device and then what that will do is it will uh, it will go to their server and they'll do a lookup on the blockchain and after that uh, they'll return the server ip to you So but but yeah. I I have another issue here which is the blockchain itself. I mean as far as I know and I think um I think you can confirm this as well it's very expensive to do a query on the blockchain right? Yeah I mean write operations and read operations have some sort of complexity and when it's become large and larger it's going to have some effect again uh, for example if we get like the largest blockchain I think bitcoin right? So uh-huh. to add a new block I think it's it's going to have some like time sort of it needs some time to add a new block to the blockchain so check if the time to add the new block to block uh, bitcoin so i think it's around 10 minutes i guess to add add add, add a new record yeah, so imagine 10 minutes 10 minutes yeah so so it's it's going to be computationally inefficient sometimes but read operations are, i think they can optimize like cache in the middle 
somewhere else and like keep it like without querying the <laughs> blockchain every time a request comes in. So if not, it's going to be super expensive again. Um, um, yeah. So okay, so it's all plus and minuses. But here, here's one thing that they say. So on average, it takes about ten minutes to find each block. Yeah. Um, and the so average block like time. So if you're doing like a search query, because yeah. like when you are putting into the end of the blockchain, you have to find the. I mean, like you have to verify the the previous blocks as well. <laughs> so we are, if it has break or not, right? <laughs> uh, if it's a real record, you have to verify that the signature. Um, so, so yeah, again, same. Uh, I think uh, it's all about. Uh, The scaling up of this concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So I I still don't. Okay, so here's here I have another problem with this, and it's that people try to add blockchain <laughs> to everything. I mean, isn't there a better way to do this rather than having a? Blo- I mean, because if you take like say if this, if I can goes out of business and this like in the, this might be not plausible, but if these guys if handshake becomes the de facto standard for um, DNS queries. in uh, the future um that means all the isps and everybody will just need to have a copy of the entire blockchain and yeah. with the ability to create domains i mean it will be i mean the the records would be enormous because right now there are only i think eight dns servers root dns servers in the world and it's because of in that world, yeah. also that um i can also you know manages and sort of um uh, maintains all of those and you know it's sort of like a gatekeeper there but uh, if handshake ever does become uh, scalable enough to actually take over and uh, put i can out of business i mean i have no idea how this would <laughs> yeah. how this would actually scale up to that level <laughs> at least yeah so so i just did a quick google and it says uh, like that i think these are the tlds right 7204 domain names so those are like the tlds right now so imagine everyone has that's a million <laughs> a million of that And it's huge. Uh, the number is going to be super huge uh, in terms of uh, uh, what they're going to have. So, as of March 2021, the I can Ayana root database included 1,589 yeah. TLDs. Oh, okay. Um, so that includes 68 that are not assigned, eight that are retired, and 11 test domains. Yeah, it says 1,500. Sorry, I think that's a different article I was referring to. Yeah, 1,500 domains exist today. Yeah, yeah. So. Let's say, assume everyone has a million subscribers, or something happened. <laughs> um, That's why. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if every TLD has one million records, one million domains, and each record has let's say five uh, DNS records in them. Sub <laughs> so sub domains. Sub sub domains and like the records, A records, C name records, ah, okay. type of records. <laughs> okay. It's going to be massive in terms. But but I think that is kind of fine because those are actually on the name server. So yeah, but, um, yeah. It's but it's the only the. Uh, I think right? I think the blockchain will only store the ownership for the top level domain here, because oh, yeah. what yeah, what happens okay. is you have the TLD, you have .dot com. And if they say okay, there's something called .com, I I Ayana and I can only maintain the server record for .com, and that points yeah, it to yeah, the .com yeah. server, and then .com will have the reg- registry for the other domains. That will point it to the name server of that domain, and if it's a subdomain, it will go on and on and on until you get the actual. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah, this I mean, could just uh, boost up because people won't have to create subdomains anymore; they can just create TLDs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be million. So let's say. A billion TLDs, not <laughs> something like that. So if everyone exactly. can create it, so that, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, this is a <laughs> interesting subject. So, so we, yeah, uh, did we cover this one? Uh, I think we did a yes. long run on this. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so, our, yeah. our topics are very interesting since <laughs> we, we we tend to spend more time and we sometimes lose track <laughs> how exactly. much time we are going to spend. And uh, recently, yeah. WhatsApp enabled uh, multi-device capabilities. And I think this is a sort yeah. of next article here. Um, so this is posted in July two thousand uh, July two thousand twenty one, and it's basically uh, so a, a TLDR on this, a summary on this is that um, WhatsApp. I mean, so far WhatsApp only allows you to use WhatsApp web or WhatsApp desktop if you have your phone connected to the internet. But um, now, although you still need a phone number, you still need a mobile number. um you can use whatsapp on other devices like browsers or desktops or device any other sort of device with internet connection uh, without actually requiring your smartphone to be connected to the internet and i think this is this is super awesome but um 
Yeah, they announced the limited public beta test, and I think I signed up for this as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, so um, what do you think so, about this, Chamath? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we all all tend to use WhatsApp, web, right? Because we are always in the computer, but <laughs> so we we always tend to use WhatsApp. So the key issue I'm having always is uh, the web is temporary, right? It just if we close, so like if we don't have the phone, we are just we don't have WhatsApp anymore. If we turn off the phone, if the battery dies, that's it. Um, so this is going to be a like a good solution for most of the people. But again, like if you look at yeah the, the architecture they have currently, so the WhatsApp web connects to the phone, phone connects to the cloud, then cloud connects to the the other sides of the what do you call the connection. So mm-hmm. it's going to sort of like a push, right? It's not going to store anything across because otherwise it could have connected to the cloud directly and get the data. So exactly. again, Damien, I'm thinking about the the security aspect here because WhatsApp it's always like focused on end-to-end encryption things like that. But still, if they're going to store the data, let's say they're going to store our chat messages like in their system for a longer time. So currently, they store it for a short time, as I guess, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because it's, it was being pushed. So yeah, just show the new architecture, what it looks like. Uh, uh, so yeah, my, my personal thought is it's interesting. But again, I might not be a fan of this architecture, the second architecture, <laughs> because of that uh, cloud connection. Because we it's already have like Messenger. Messenger, Viber, so, all this, yeah. Same. So I, I actually enabled, I actually joined the public beta um, before I read this article on the architecture and how it actually <laughs> works. So initially, what I thought was that they might be having sort of like a you know a cache on the laptop, and when the phone connects, it'll just sync between the two devices. But right now, uh, according to what I see here, they store all the messages and basically all the content in the cloud itself on their own servers. I mean, yes, they say that it's all encrypted. Um, it's it. They have device to device end to end encryption, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, um, I mean, everything is meant to break, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> I, I, it might be impossible right now to break encryption, but someday it will be quantum, possible. <laughs> quantum it's, computing comes. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just that. Imagine some sort of genius comes along and just develops some sort of algorithm or something to break encryption. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, mean, we know that it's not possible, but. Right now, <laughs> right now, but yeah, yeah. it's still and a risk. again, even this, 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 what you call their the concept name is a bit misleading. So multi-device, so that that exactly. goes as okay, multi-device. What's that? It's just basically like something like web application, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's a web like a cloud-hosted service. That's it. Uh, it's hosting the data. It's, on it's the not cloud. multi-device. It's more like a cloud-based messaging. Now. Cloud-based messenger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, again a uh, more. Uh, what do you call positive negative feeling? So if you can see the two arrows, uh, so Alice Web is connected to Alice Bob phone, and then again Alice Web to Alice phone. So there are two-way communication there, but still everything goes through the crowd and come back to the uh, phone. Exactly. And again, I'm I'm really weird, like I'm really scared of the, the the scalability of this solution. I mean, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. I think the, the numbers are very large. Like right? different should be very large, I guess. I assume. Uh, so the number of like interaction we do with WhatsApp is so rapid, and everyone uses WhatsApp on a daily basis. Like, and like the messaging is super fast, and it's going to let's say thousands of messages a minute, maybe. Like, <laughs> even if we say consider a group chat, it's going to be super fast if someone gets a, put a message or some. Uh, exactly. Like, it gets super active, and if it goes going through this cycle, I'm again not sure how they're going to scale up. So it's going to again see. I mean, like, uh, so scaling up will be pretty expensive, I think. Now yeah, I think th- this side. this method sort of increases the infrastructure cost that they have to sort of in, uh, put into this yeah. because they have to have more data stores. They have to store your data actually in the cloud. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, yeah. Um, there was something on here. And, and one of the like advantage of this, I mean, we we need to talk about that as well. So one of the advantage is uh, having a backup version. So let's say a Facebook Messenger, it's not stored in anywhere. Like, in, like if we lose our phone or phone gets damaged, we still have Facebook Messenger. But if we, if it happens on a local device, it's just gone. If you don't have a backup on the cloud, like <laughs> if you have paid for subscription, that's fine. Uh, but if not, usually we tend to lose all the data in the, let's say, WhatsApp, for example. Exactly. So, SMSs. So th- there is something that I don't actually understand here, and that is like message history. So it says that when a companion device is linked, the primary device encrypts a bundle of the messages from recent chats and transfers them to the newly linked device 
The key to this encrypted message history blob is delivered to the new link device via an encrypted message. After the companion device downloads, decrypts, unpacks and stores the message securely, the keys are deleted. From that point forward, the companion device accesses the message history from its own local database. So I, the thing here is, I don't understand how this happens on WhatsApp web because they would need to store this in the browser cache, right? Or basically browser storage. And say you have gigabytes worth of message history. It's not feasible yeah, to actually transfer that. No, I feel I mean, let's say it's only the top 10 messages only or something. I'm, I'm like, with this architecture, I'm really not, I'm confused because it's not that clear. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> you know? it is not that clear. That's true. Uh, yeah, again, yeah. Uh, so in a phone, we can store like 20 GB of data, but in a laptop computer, it might like <laughs> mess up the browser, like Chrome storage. <laughs> um, so I, I just did a quick Google on the numbers. Like WhatsApp is the largest, like active users, like per month is 2000 million. And Facebook Messenger is 1,300 million per month. So daily active sort of act, monthly so active users. WhatsApp is much more active. Yeah, so it's the highest like one. Then we have WeChat, then QQ, Telegram, Snapchat. So WhatsApp is the number one. And uh, again, the scale is, I, I mean, it's very hard to see how it's going to happen. I mean, like, it's going to be massive again uh, to do this much of computation <laughs> and uh, storage. Um, so, for example, my WhatsApp is 20 GB. I'm not sure what's, what's your account. So, imagine everyone of us has like at least 10 GB, let's assume. So, 10 into uh, 2,000 million users. <laughs> and, and say that uh, you have like, um, you have a group a group chat where people yeah. just spam it with videos yeah. and images. Yeah, yeah. How is and that going to be like synced? I mean, it, would, <laughs> yeah. it would take I mean, a lot of internet just to sync that. Yeah. I mean, WhatsApp is one of the most stable apps, like we can call it because it's, it has very low outages, not like Facebook or Messenger, like it's it's very minor outages only, like if something goes wrong, terribly wrong, WhatsApp goes down. Uh, <laughs> so I think that might be... I a... think, I think uh, after they moved to Facebook infrastructure and after they moved to their Facebook data centers, whenever there was an outage that included Instagram, Messenger and stuff like that, you could be sure that WhatsApp also goes down. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So everything is in the same. <laughs> everything <laughs> is in the same boat in the. Yeah. yeah. That's also yeah. something that is not really good, and this is yeah, sort so, of a benefit I mean, of multi-cloud solutions, right? Yeah. Again, David, this is all. I think personal. Uh, uh, I mean, preference. So some people might not actually care about okay, what if Facebook has my data? What if it's stored in the cloud? So I mean, I, it's all preference, right? <laughs> but as 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 I mean, if you look from a developer or engineer sort of angle it's a bit of scalability issue i'm facing i'm trying to figure out that part i think it's having like same yeah. impact, effect on you as well uh, yeah so i'm, I'm seeing a lot of issues i mean they might have gone in different i mean it's not really clear from this article but they might have gone in different ways they might be only syncing the latest chats they might be only um they might be storing some of the stuff on their servers as well but each and every one of these use like each and every one of these sort of architectures that i can think of they will have more and more sort of um uh, cons and sort of challenges um, that that makes it actually hard to uh, introduce hard to, true yeah. multi-device capability because especially when we consider the fact that uh, we have the WhatsApp web client as well as the WhatsApp uh, the mobile client. I mean the mobile client is completely fine. They can they can store I mean even 20 GB of data, 50 GB, 100 GB of data without yeah, any issue. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As long as you have a proper place to back it up, I mean I think you are completely fine there. But um, but actually maintaining this sort of infrastructure, I mean, maintaining this sort of storage and providing sort of a seamless experience between web and mobile is where I think a lot of challenges will be for them. And because it's still yeah. in beta, I think this, this is still not ready for production, but... Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, they, they'll figure out more things in the beta, right? Like, and, uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, this might not go forward. This is just like the initial idea for them uh, exactly. as well. I mean, there are some bugs in the beta, so <laughs> there was oh, one yeah. issue where uh, <laughs> when I when I tried to create when I tried to open it on a new device, um, WhatsApp Web, uh, it wouldn't sync it properly for some reason between the oh, mobile okay. phone the, and the the web, the messages. Yeah, so the, the issue is, Damien, this is a day to day. I mean, like we use every day, right? Every single day, every single hour, maybe <laughs> WhatsApp. So if the experience is going to be bad, people might actually move out. I mean, that's the that's the only thing that's holding WhatsApp up right now at this stage. Um, yep, that's so, true, and I think 
I think with that... Yeah, we, we talked a lot have... in this topic as well again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we end up talking quite a lot <laughs> on yeah. the stuff that we Hope like. We so... don't <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So I think uh, we actually have that sort of it for our topics. And um, let's see if, if you guys sort of want to hear us discussing some sort of new topics or if you want us to discuss architectures and stuff like that on this chat as well. Feel free to anyway. Uh, okay, I think we lost Chamath's video. Oh. Sorry for that. Uh, <laughs> no my camera also said stop. <laughs> Probably yeah. overheating issues. But uh, anyway, let's sort of cut it, uh, cut to the chase. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys in another episode of the Cloud Chat Podcast. Cheers and have a great right. day. Cheers, guys. See you.